March 21st, 2015. BGN Network presents Kevin's Oblast Radio with your host Kevin Baird. And Alexa Simich. So we have Alexa on today. Am I saying that right? Uh, you say it in, with an accent, so, but uh, Alexa, is that correct? Uh, it's Alexa, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I can't do it, but I'll try not to say your name too much. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, we were originally discussing talking about uh, uh, talking about programming and programming as a career, and I think we'll touch on that a little bit later in the show. Uh, first, so the audience knows who you are and everything. We'll do the normal uh, Oblast uh, interview process and um, get a little background on you. Um, you're Serbian. You live in Serbia right now? Yes, I'm in Serbia. Uh, I was born in Croatia. Uh, oh, okay. I'm what you what would you call Yugoslavian, but yes, right now I'm Serbian. That, that's yes, the... yes. I know I know a lot about. I mean, not as much as you, but I know a lot about Yugoslavia and all that sort of stuff. Um, because I just am a nerd and learn all kinds of stuff about all sorts of weird stuff like that. Um, so your parents, they're Croatian. Where did they meet? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't get the full story. Uh, they met in Croatia. Both my parents are from Croatia, so are my grandparents. Okay. Uh, but my parents moved to Belgrade, Serbia, uh, okay. for university studying. My father is an architect, my mother was an IT engineer, uh, and they studied in Belgrade. So they lived in Belgrade since 75 or something, before I was born, anyway. I was born in Croatia because my grandparents were there, and it was easier for my mother to be with her parents, I think. Not yeah. Sure. Do, um, is there a big difference between, I mean, because Yugoslavia, everything was, you know, uh, various countries that are there now, et cetera. But, I mean, is there a big difference between the people, between, like, Croatia and Serbia and, um, I don't know, Montenegro, you know, Bosnia? Uh, well, there is. Uh, there is a lot of difference, actually. Really? Uh, there are Slovenians. They are the most no northern country. They were first to separate, and they joined the European Union. They, they, were, the, they were closest to the, I would say, the West. Europe, whatever. And then there were Croatians. They were uh, Croatia is a little bit southern than uh, Slovenia, and they are also more leaning to west. While Serbia, Montenegro, even Macedonia, and I'm not sure about Bosnia, but uh, the southern countries are closer to Russia, to eastern system. Whatever. Okay, so I mean, government-wise, that's that way. But I mean, if you were walking down the street, you wouldn't. Would you? Would you be able to pick out somebody from Croatia? You would. Uh, you would really? be able to pick up someone from Bosnia, maybe, and from Macedonia. But Serbian Croatians, even Slovenians, are I think are more blonde. Oh, They're, interesting. You maybe could, but I don't know. Today we are all the same. Yeah. Unless you're right. yellow, black, or white. Right. Otherwise, if you're white, you're white. There's no white from Russia, white from Serbia, white from UK. It's all the same, I think. Are you able to go to Croatia? I mean, is it cool to travel back and forth? Because I know Corey would always go to Croatia. I think he met his... Well, no, Corey, his... Is, Corey is black. <laughs> you have to understand that. We are not well. racist here, but it's probably strange for 
people to meet the yeah, person really cool. here. That might be a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he met his girlfriend or wife. I don't think he got... Did he get married? I haven't followed the guy in a while, but I, I think uh, he... She's from Turkey or something. I don't... Yeah, Turkey, right, yeah. Wife, but I'm sure about the guy. He's a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he um yeah he would go to Croatia because that uh, dude from uh, um, England that I've suddenly forgotten his name even Nick, though I Nick 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 yes Nick <laughs> is from I was on a show with him for like uh, two years or something um, they would always go to Croatia so I don't know interesting so um, okay. it's not, it's not the problem uh, well uh, there is you have uh, I would say extremists people who are extremely Croatian. Okay. Or ex extremely Serbian. If you're okay. a Croatian and come to Serbia and meet a skinhead on the street, right. and you have a Croatian flag on yourself, you will probably get a beating. Then wow. again, if they meet me, I will get a beating just because they want to beat me. It's, <laughs> that, that doesn't matter if I'm Croatian, Serbian, whatever. They just want to beat someone up. Right. And if you're Croatian, that's a good reason. If you're not, well, they will look for another reason to beat you. So. Wow, so you don't you don't plan vacations to go to the coast in Croatia or anything? Like uh, well, I do. Uh, oh, you do. Most of my family still is. My oh, okay. my aunt is in Pula. My uh, father's brother is in Zadar. That's a bit southern. Uh, I don't know if that is interesting to you, but uh, Croatia itself, uh, the northern parts, are safe for. for Completely safe for Serbians. No one will say anything to you. But southern parts are more of a problem. That's where the extremists are. And uh, during the war in Bosnia, Croatia, whatever, uh, northern parts uh, weren't weren't close to the battlefield. They, I think, not many people died there. Sure. Right. There were not. So people in the north are more peaceful. In the south, not so much. They yeah. don't like us. Yeah, so I can see on I'm looking at the map and I can see <clears throat> that you know the southern parts are near uh, you know Sarajevo and Kosovo and all that where everything kind of um, blew up. Yes, the the southern part. You if you check out where Zadar is, I was actually born in Zadar. Uh, that's that's Dalmatia, and that uh, that part was ex well extremely hit by war. I think yeah. and they don't enjoy seeing Serbians there. <laughs> I was there. But, but you're actually Croatian. I mean, you were born in Croatia, but I guess your nationality is Serbia, so you can't really tell them that you're Croatian, right? You're, you're... Uh, well, I can. I do have Croatian papers. I am oh. born in Croatia, thus I can call myself Croatian if I want to. No one okay. can stop. But uh, to them, it doesn't make a difference. They can hear by my uh, pronunciation words and talking. They can yes, recognize that I'm, I'm from Serbia. I see. Okay. Okay. And if I get to someone who doesn't like Serbia so much, I will have some problems, perhaps. But what, I didn't hear um, any when Yugoslavia was a country, what language did everybody speak? You didn't speak Serbian, did you? Uh, no, 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 it was called uh, Serbo-Croatian. Uh, oh, okay. the, the, the language is basically the same. I imagine the difference between Serbian and Croatian is uh, like between U.S. English and Canadian English. I see. Some okay. words are were pronounced differently, uh, but you can understand the creation. There is no need for. Uh, yes, there is an extra one difference. Uh, we use Cyrillics as our 
uh, I, alphabet. Sure. Alphabet. They use uh, Latin, but in Serbia we use both Cyrillic and Latin, and I think most kids nowadays don't even use Cyrillic. You use internet. Cyrillic you can't use on the internet. So <laughs> we are always forcing so, change. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you were born. What, what city did you say you were born in? Zadar. Zadar. Okay. How, how long were you born? Um, age four. You, age four. Okay. So eighty-four. Really eighty-four. Yes. Remember much about it then before you moved to Serbia. Um, well, I was there for my entire childhood, but uh, I was too young for the, let's say, for the war. Plus, I was living in Belgrade during the war, so I didn't see any. Uh, Fighting, except on television. So Wait, so you were in Croatia until age four? You were only in that city until? No, no, no. Uh, I was uh, in '84. I was born 1984, okay. and I, and my parents were living in Belgrade at that time. So okay. I so I uh, spent most of the summers in Croatia, and whenever my parents needed time, they would send me and my sister to our grandparents. So. Sure. We lived both here and there. Okay. But during um, the war, we were in Belgrade. So. so during the war, you were in Belgrade? Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, was what, okay. what you would call safe. Okay. Well, yeah. Sort of, I guess. I don't know. Mostly. We yeah. problems, but not the bullets. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, how was school then? Uh, you know, what's your school system like, like for primary school? Uh, primary school is eight years. You start from age seven to what? That's what age fifteen. Then you go to the high school four years, and then you're off to college if you want to. Uh, primary. I mean, you probably see what school is like on TV, you know, in the West, like you know, the United States and England and things like that. I mean, how would you compare your school system there? Similar or? Um... Uh, I'd say entirely different. I'm not yeah. sure the thing I see on TV is that the way it really is, but. Uh, Elementary school, uh, we don't have that middle school thing. That um, what? That's age. yeah. Some places don't, right? Yeah, it's just a way of dividing. You, them, you know. have eight eight years of primary school, then you go to high school. Primary school is uh, you're required to go to primary school. You have to go. Of course. Is it is it a lot of discipline? Was it easy? I mean, did you? Uh, it's easier and easier for generations before me. It wasn't so easy. My generation is somewhat easier. Today's generations, they are uh, first two years. You don't get grades. You get flowers and shit. Oh, really? I don't know. Uh, you don't have to learn anything. Teachers aren't motivated to teach you. Kids aren't motivated to learn. So I don't yeah. know. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it seems like that. Um, did you? Excuse me. Did you have to wear a uniform? No, no, no. Uh, some schools perhaps did, but mostly no. Uh, you have to get the time frame. I was going. Uh, I was. I started school in 1990. That's when the war started. All sure. sanctions and and economic crisis. <laughs> no way would we w could we afford uniforms. So. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and then so. What about high school? The same? No uniforms? Pretty... No, uni no uniforms. 
No, no. It's the same thing, actually. Uh, last yeah. four years of uh, primary school are basically the same as those four years of high school. Same, You learn the same things, maybe they add a few... I would say. Okay, and when you say you learn stuff, though, I mean, are you, like, sitting around doing, like, Calculus 2 or something in the middle of high school? I mean, I'm trying to get a base on uh, what what you're learning. I mean, did you do well in school? Uh, well, not really. I no. wasn't very motivated. Okay, sure. I, uh, I was never good at maths or physics or any of those things. Okay. But uh, uh, I was, let's say, forced to, to pass the grade. You had to know something, so you couldn't, you, especially high school. Uh, in yeah. elementary school, I think they can't fail you. You may fail a grade if you're really, really, yeah. I can't say dumb, but if you do not want to do anything, they will fail you a couple of times, then they will send you to another grade school where you will pass and you will have eight grades of education, but you will, well, you, you will be yeah. illiterate. Right, right. Okay, all right, well, I, I get a basic idea of, of well, what it's like Well, what you have to know, it's eight plus four plus, well, four for college, if you want to. What, what did you um what did you do in terms of recreation outside of school? I mean, were you part of sports? Did you just hang out? Yeah, I, I was a computer guy. Computer guy completely. Uh, computer guy, and in a literal sense, I was fat. Still am fat. <laughs> well, you could see me playing basketball, playing football. I wasn't too bad at it, but that wasn't my thing. Oh, okay. But so you just kind of came home and chilled and played computer and listened to podcasts like video game news radio, and you were like, hey, this is good shit. Well, yes. Uh, that, that came a lot, of, well, a lot later. I know. I, know. I started listening to you in 2010, I think. Okay. Right. So, well, if I had podcasts, it would have, would have been more interesting, but yeah. no. <laughs> also, I didn't sure. have internet, so... Right. So, but, um, I mean, after uh, high school, did you go to college? Uh, yes, I am somewhat ashamed to say I'm still going to college. Oh, of course. No, that's, fine. that's what I figured. Uh, well, is it fine or not? I don't know, but I'm still there. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, I don't know. Well, we can touch on that later if you want, but I'm still in college. Let's... No, that's fine. I mean, you know, that kind of steers us into, you know, going into programming and stuff, but I'm curious about, uh, you know, how things built up over there in terms of tech um, in, in that part of, the, part of the world, I suppose, um, because I've heard a lot of things, you know, like Skype came from, what, Macedonia or something like that, um, and... Uh, there's like um, eBay and, and all of these. There's a lot of investment, I guess is what I'm saying, over in that area of the world. And I'm wondering, um, did how did since you grew up going from, say, you know, the war and things were kind of um, not that technical up until today, which I imagine there's a lot more tech going on, um, how, do you, how did you, could you talk a little bit about that, like what transformed in, in the area? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Uh, during the 90s, during the war, we uh, we had a lot of piracy. So yeah. uh, it was uh, well, 
not during the war. In 1985, PC was still an expensive thing to have. I had sure. one since my mother was a programmer, so I was, let's say, lucky. But uh, later in the 90s, uh, we were lucky enough to have access to any software we wanted. Uh, you could buy uh, Windows 95, 98, uh, Photoshop, any program you wanted, you could buy it on the street for a dollar. Literally. Okay. So uh, our my generation uh, could learn a lot faster. You could learn Photoshop for almost nothing. You would sit there and uh, you would have that Photoshop, the, which costs, I know, $1,000 or something. You could play with it. And it was very easy to be self-taught in Serbia. Uh, it was a bit harder uh, getting hardware, since hardware sure. is you can't pirate hardware, and it's a lot more expensive to acquire hardware here than in, I don't know, some other parts of Europe, I guess. I mean, are there things that you just couldn't get? I mean, is there, were there, um, you know, just like, you can't order things because there's mail restrictions or anything like that? Oh, I mean, it's you, no, 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 you can't order things here. Uh, uh, it's, first thing, postage is very expensive. Okay. Um, for example, I try to try to order a, a that full mask thing that costs uh, twenty bucks from the Amazon. Uh, postage okay. uh, postage costed sixty bucks. So he, <laughs> well, which was well, I would pay for it. So uh, ordering by mail is risky. People do it. Uh, we had many card frauds here. We could get in the, that was also early. 2000s. We we would get uh, stolen card numbers from okay. whatever, sure. and we and we could order anything we want from internet, and uh, no one would catch us. Sure. You know? So that that was a good thing, but that didn't last for long. I <laughs> guess Europe stopped stop that pretty quickly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, but, but, I, I did something but, like that once when I was younger, but it was mostly a friend that was doing it, and uh, yeah, I, I heard I, story. I, it was easier. Yeah, it was easier back then than it is today. The least yes, not get caught. You couldn't get caught here. You would order something using stolen credit card. You would use your grandma's address or whatever. So even <laughs> if they did trace the order, they would come to your grandma who didn't know. Uh, right. Out it so it was not there. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so you're thinking about uh, college at this point, and you're thinking about getting into a career with computers. You've been doing computers a long time. I mean, um, talk to me about that. Like, what what do you think in terms of like, are you programming right now? Do you, is that do you have is that your course uh, work that you do, or that you're just thinking about it? What no, I am I am working. Well, for three and a half years as a Java, Java, whatever, and SQL developer. Uh, I was so Java, SQL, got it. Java, SQL, well, that, that's my, my, I would say, I, there is I'm most interested in, but I do okay. C Sharp, I do anything, PHP, Perl, whatever. Whatever comes my way, I can do it. Sure, absolutely. And uh, I enjoy programming, I always enjoy it doing that, and since I had access to the uh, PC since I was, what, eight, whatever, uh, it was just the natural thing for me to do. I was interested in it, and it pays well. Uh, sure. So, 
So, so you find that there's enough jobs in that field for you? Yes, the uh, I have a steady job at the moment. Uh, okay. If it wasn't that steady, I could find another job. I'd say pretty fast. Okay. It the IT jobs in Serbia are by far the best paid jobs. So okay. if you if you can if you know anything about programming and uh, IT, you're pretty safe here for, okay. for uh, as the job. Um, so then, if you're that entrenched with experience in computers and um, you already have a career in your careers, why complete college? Uh, well, that's actually the thing I wanted to ask you. You, <laughs> as I don't remember, you never went to college. That's yes. right. Well, I, I also don't see the point in getting that degree. Uh, I was... Uh, I had uh, one of the exams was uh, right after it was at 8 p.m. So I was uh, on my job till seven and went to that exam. And on that exam, uh, our professor started. Uh, I would say that uh, started saying that we are worthless, that our we don't know anything. It was a basic C, basic C sharp uh, uh, course, whatever. Right. And I got the assignment was to make a simple application. Uh, it took us one hour to do it, which is okay. very slow. Right. But uh, he started telling us how we are worthless, that we shouldn't touch computers, whatever. <laughs> and uh, then it occurred to me that I just came from my job where I was working on an application that I coded that uh, is working 24-7, serving, I know, 50,000 requests per day, whatever. It's a, I would say, somewhat serious application. And there is this guy telling me that I don't know shit. So I know, basically, fuck you. Why, why, why would I need your diploma, your approval, saying that I am a good programmer? Yeah. That's that's where it hit me. Uh, I had ever since I got the job, I started wondering, do I really need that diploma? But now I'm pretty sure that I don't. The thing is, uh, I never try tried. Uh, looking for a job outside my country. In my country, uh, if I can show them that I can do the things that I need, they will hire me. But outside of country, I don't know. If I try trying getting a job in ICP, right. whatever Europe, USA, whatever, would they require a degree? Uh, the demand is so high in the United States that, uh, you know, You'd be hired if you just knew how to run Windows. I think um, mostly anything Good they can teach you. Uh, it's um, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people that have I call uh, educational elitism, and they feel as though because they went to college and they have degrees that you should go to college and you should have degrees because if they did it, you should do it. Um, but by and large, uh, from you know. The way the system works here is basically um, there's recruiters, and recruiters will sell you to another company, and they get um, uh, you know some money uh, if you end up working at that company. The company needs you really bad, so they'll pay the recruiter like you know 
$10,000 uh, if you end up staying at that company for at least a year. So um, the recruiters will call you and call you until they, you know, uh, they can get you to be interested in taking one of their jobs that they have, and then they try to fit you into whatever you can do. So college, you know, is really not uh, that important. Mostly because, I mean, realistically, you know, sure, a guy can go to college and he can end up having a, a fantastic. Um, uh, time and learning all kinds of stuff, but another guy can go to another college and be a complete idiot and still end up with a degree. And so as a company, you can't tell between the guy that knows everything and the guy that's an idiot just because they both have a, um, you know, a degree from the college. And so the only thing you can really do is test them. So a lot of places will just test you. And so um, I applied at one place nearby called Highland, which was like a, um, it's kind of what they call the uh, Silicon Valley of our area. Uh, it's a really big campus and all this sort of stuff. And they had a five-part test that you had to do, and um, it, you know, each part had like five questions, and it was, it was pretty rough because it was, you know, you, you weren't allowed to refer to any books or anything. You couldn't look up anything on the internet. You just basically had to, um, write code uh, or write at least pseudocode um, by hand to answer all of these questions within like an hour or two hours or something like that. And I, I did terrible at it because I don't code um, like it's 1985 and I'm on a Commodore 64 or something. I mean, I you know, we have access to IntelliSense and we have access to the internet and, you know, you take pieces of code and you, you you know, you take snippets and things to make things work. So I didn't do good at that. Somebody that came right out of an educational environment where they had to, like, study and, like, put all of that into their, their brain at the moment to write, you know, to answer tests would surely do better on a test like that. But would they be a good coder? I don't know. I mean, I don't personally think so. I think um, a lot of it just comes from experience. And the more experience that you have... Um, the better you're going to be. I hired programmers for where I work, and um, I just have a conversation with them because I'm more interested in the guy that I hire that's, that's kind of like yourself, that's really interested in computers, that finds that they can do everything and anything, that nothing seems like it's a big challenge, and that they're going to have a good work ethic, you know, that they're going to come in on time and leave on time because I can teach you anything. I can teach you it's up to you to do the actual work. And there's no, a lot of people out there that don't, you know, they just, they don't, they're not, they're not cut out to work right. You know, they're more, they want to go home. They don't want to do anything. They're, they want to yes, screw uh, around. And that's, if that's, you want to work in IT, in IT uh, uh, you have to be, I know it's, if it's the same thing in US, but here uh, you don't work from 9 to nine to 5 or 8 hours a day, whatever. You work sure. as long as it's needed. Right. If the project is well organized, you will work 8 hours a day and that project will be completed at the time, but that never happens. Right. I, See, you have to work weekends, there are problems unforeseen, you have to sit at your job till 12, till midnight, whatever. 
So uh, people who are not ready to do that, who don't want to work more than eight hours a day, shouldn't work in IT. And that's something you cannot and no one teaches you at the college, university, or whatever. Yeah. Although I'll say that that, at least here, is uh, it, it depends. Because I've been, I've worked for standard eight-hour-a-day jobs, and I've worked for, um, well, that's all I've worked. But I've been interviewed for jobs that are like what you're saying, and I've been interviewed for other jobs from big companies that um, are still only going to work you an eight- or a nine-hour day. Um, it really depends on what you're, what you're doing. You know, if you wanted to work for a video game company, let's say, they have deadlines. Like, they have hard deadlines. The game's got to get packaged and shipped and out the door at a certain time. So, you know, you might start on a two-year project, and at the beginning, it's, it's eight hours a day, and then at the end, you're working 24 hours a day so you can get that thing out the door on time. But if you're working at a company that does sort of um, business software that's like maintenance-based, that's just going to be an eight-hour day. That's just going to be an eight-hour day all the time. So um, you're right, but I, I don't want to scare people that are listening to think that programming oh. is, is uh, an 80-hour work week all the time because it's it, it really depends on your appetite because the jobs that pay really well are the jobs that you're going to work 80 hours a week versus the the living wage that you're going to get working the 40-hour week. That's my opinion. Yes, well, uh, IT here is a 40-hours-a-week job. You, you, it's not... Uh, it's expected that there, there, there will be day, uh, days or periods where you will work 12 hours a day, but uh, it's not required. No one tells you that. that sure. Right. When you sign the contract, it says eight hours, and you should be paid overtime. You should get uh, uh, rest days, whatever, however you call that. Mm, but uh, the point is that you have to work. If there are three people on the project and uh, two of them want to work 12 hours a day and the third one doesn't, you have problems. Right. What, what do you think? I'm assuming you're not married. Are you, are you married? No. 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 Uh, do you live at home with your parents or do you live by yourself? No, I live by myself. Uh, I lived with my sister, then she got her kid, then I decided to move out since okay. I lost my peace and whatever. So now I'm, I live by myself. So, I mean, that's, you know, you're describing exactly like the single guy lifestyle. Are you in your 20s right now or early uh, 30s? I am 30, 31. 30-31. So do you think that, you know, obviously if you were married and you had children, that your career would be very difficult to maintain uh, and balance out your family life? I mean, you're, I don't know how the structure of the family is over there. Like, it's your wife would just stay home and take care of the kids. Here no. in the United States, it's women work uh, just as much as men work in most cases. So... Um, it would be difficult for, say, for me, I'm not married, but if I had kids here, um, to be able to take care of my kids and work like a 60-hour work week or something. Uh, well, uh, it, uh, here both parents have to work, uh, yeah. unless the one parent has a very good job, which is paid well, which is uh, right here. Uh, both parents have to work. So uh, IT plus children 
I'm not sure. Uh, good thing about my position is that I can work from home. So if required for okay. me to stay my kid, I could. So it's uh, in that sense, it's better than some other jobs. I'd say working in a factory or whatever. If you're oh, working yeah. in a factory, you have to be in a factory. And uh, plus, uh, working in the factory is uh, or job like that is a physical job where you come home very tired. Uh, I don't come home very tired. Sometimes I'm stressed, which can sure. be a problem. But I don't think it's the worst job for uh, family life. Uh, okay. I, I know uh, it's well. The best thing is it's well paid. So if you wanted to have a family here, you should consider IT. Now, how do you go about uh, learning? Um, your, how do you keep yourself up to date? Make keeping yourself valuable. Like, I, you know, we have obviously, you know, places like Microsoft have certification uh, courses that you can take in order to become certified and become a Microsoft certified developer, for instance. I mean, you're working with Java and SQL right now, but how do you, um, how do you keep up to date? And do you study uh, computer stuff, or do you just pick it up as you go? You know, like, for instance, I just recently learned about MongoDB, and so, you know, I've been reading about Mongo, and um, I wonder sometimes how uh, other people pick this stuff up and start using it. I mean, is it just, you know, your company says we're going to start using Mongo, or is it something where you, you know, how do you stay educated? Uh, well, uh, there are things that I have to know for my job, my, okay. that my com company requires me to know, and uh, for those things, I wait for my company to say, you have to start using Mango, or you have to learn, uh, we work with Sybase IQ, whatever. Okay, sure. They say, we will have a uh, great project uh, that requires you to know this, this, and this, and they give me the literature, they enroll me in a course if required, then I learn those things that way. Okay. But, but my position currently, uh, I work on a, a big project that is not going to end soon. Uh, sure. I'm working on it for three years, I'll be working on it for another three or four, whatever, and I don't think any new technologies will be applied to that project. So sure. I have that problem that I don't have to improve myself for this position. And thus, I don't have much time. I cannot uh, tell my boss, "Hey, I don't, I don't want to work here, or uh, I want to take a break. Uh, I want to study something else." Sure. Uh, for those things, uh, when I have time, uh, I do freelance. Sometimes I either help my friends who do freelance or do freelance myself. Take a project in something that interests me. Uh, I start doing. Uh, Pearl, I don't know if you're... Yes, sure. Yeah, excellent. Using Pearl and uh, MySQL. I never used MySQL. Uh, actually, we are using uh, that uh, Azure thing. Oh, I sure. Know. Azure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I have some friends work on Azure uh, in Pearl, doing some uh, HTML parsing, whatever. Okay. So I do HTML, I do... PHP, I do Perl, I do MySQL on my time. Uh, uh, not for money, but for, for improving myself. I'm not okay. sure it's, if it, those are the technology I should be learning, but I 
that's the way I expand my knowledge beyond. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've always done something similar, although my job doesn't uh, ever sort of, you know, say we're gonna pay for you to learn something. I mean, that never happens. It's ma basically just I have to learn it, and I make all the recommendations in terms of what we sh technologies we should be using. But we're generally a Microsoft shop, just because it's um, historically been line of business sort of uh, software when you're you know developing things for for an industry that you know basically has their own computers and their own desks and stuff you're not going to recommend that they run Linux or anything like that so you know it ends up being a Microsoft application um, we have a lot of problems with legacy and having to upgrade legacy code and things like that that we don't have the budget to, to do but I won't talk too much about my world of problems um, so, I mean, you sound pretty happy doing that. I, you know, I would, the only thing I, you know, in, and I deal with the same problem all the time is, um, I mean, it's good that you, you keep up working with your friends and things like that. I just, you know, like you said, you're going to be working on a three-year project and it might be three years more. Um, you, you know, do you feel like you might fall behind um, against, say, a new technology that comes out that everybody starts using and that you're not, you're not embracing at this point? You know, I... Sometimes I wonder, you know, if I should be, you know, learning these things like Link and Light Switch and all this sort of stuff that keeps coming out all the time. Um, you know, we're doing stuff with Apache Cordova right now for mobile, and that's pretty bleeding edge. But for the most part, you know, we don't do stuff that's at, that that's right right on the cusp of technology, and um, we spend a lot of time working in old D-based systems. You know, I had an interview. Um, not that long ago down the road, and they were still using COBOL. And uh, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, I don't want to go into COBOL because even though I could do it, you know, by my skill set when I get out of there is going to be who, who's going to hire a COBOL guy, you know? So um, I sometimes I just wonder, like, you know, do you have that sense that you might be getting behind on any technologies or anything, or do, are you pretty comfortable... Yes, yes, definitely. I do have that problem. Uh, uh, I told you this was a long project, and we had uh, what would I would call a serene period. Uh, our project was uh, my part of the project, project time, the part of the project I'm doing, uh, didn't have any improvements for, I think, two or three months. For So for three months, I was sitting doing nothing. Sure. Uh, I, I had smaller tasks, but uh, I didn't do any uh, SQL programming, I didn't do any Java programming, whatever. I literally just stood there and uh, watched for possible errors or whatever. Okay. Uh, in that period, I noticed that uh, my SQL knowledge degraded. I forgot some basic things. Right. I didn't do any SQL for three months, and at that point, I realize what you were just saying, that uh, I have to be, uh, let's say, always on the edge. Right. Maybe not uh, learning everything that comes out, but uh, not doing anything is very dangerous. Yes. Uh, uh, my job is paid well. Well, it could be paid better, but let's say it's sure. paid well. I am safe at the moment, but uh, tomorrow, whatever, my company could go, could go under for whatever yes. reason. Right. And if I go to the job market again, uh, I do have references, but do I have knowledge? That's the question. Yes, right. I, I, I'm not sure what's the good thing. I don't think it's wise to learn everything that comes out. You right, I agree. 
it, unless you have some foresight into knowing which technologies w will be uh, applicable or right. profitable, let's say it better. I know. Uh, that's actually the thing I want when I suggested that we should talk about programming. Uh, telling uh, people that start into programming, telling them what should they learn now. There's the same problem, I think. Uh, yeah. When somebody is starting programming, they can start with C Sharp, they can start with Java, they can go in, uh, into PHP, JavaScript, or whatever. Uh, how do they recognize what's the best thing to start learning? You can't learn everything, that's for sure. You have that's to sure. pick. I mean, have to pick if, I was, if I was going to recommend, I mean, the first thing I would. I would go into would be SQL Server or SQL or one of the one of the main SQLs. It's it's probably going to be, you know, it can be it can be complicated, but for the most part, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's four real commands: select, update, insert, and you know, delete. And uh, it, but it gets broader from there. But it it's really it's nicely structured. It's not going anywhere. Yes, sir. It, it will stay more it will stay the same. Right. It'll stay the same, and it's used for everything and everywhere. And so, definitely, you know, if I was going to get into programming, I would start with SQL and um, just master that first, and then probably, you know, obviously at this point, you know, HTML, even though that's not really a programming language, um, learning that and then transforming that into, say, a scripting language like Perl or PHP, um, which is what a lot of, you know, a lot of beginner people tend to cut their teeth on, is, um, you know, a lot of that sort of server-side stuff, and then you've got some really good basics right there. The C-sharp and Java and stuff like that is really kind of, like, I don't see C-sharp going anywhere for quite a while, um, but it's also very, like, the frameworks and things are very dynamic and keep improving and changing. So unless you have a need to do it, I don't I don't know when you should really embrace it because you know it it's 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 vast and it's project specific and you you know you can't personally I don't think you can learn all of it. You just kind of have to um, find the parts that you need and master those pieces. And you, I don't think you have to go to university to learn any of that. I mean, you can pick up books and uh, teach yourself how to do it or, or watch online courses and things like that. Once you have the basics of building stored procedures in SQL, you'll quickly learn how to, you know, write a, write a decent application in a, in, a, in a language as long as you can understand, you know, the, the compiler and the interpreter and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, it, it really sort of, I mean, it's kind of like opening up the, you know, the paper or looking online and seeing what jobs are hiring in your area and seeing what sort of skills they're looking for and then kind of sitting down and, and learning those skills I guess would be the best way to do it but I don't know I don't I mean you can be certified in the language and things like that and, and, and be like certified in C sharp and then go in and get any job working on C sharp but is that a job that you're going to want to do because you know if you want to work on video games you know you're probably going to want to know a lot of math if you want to work on the game engine um, but, you know, at the same time, if you're going to go work in, say, a business environment um, that might handle, like, mailing lists and list work, then, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of SQL and you're going to be doing a lot of, you know, data management, data massage. If you're going to work on websites, you're going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, um, sort of front, 
front front. It depends on if you're going to be a front end guy or a back end guy. Really, I mean, the back end guy is going to be handling the data and and uh, you know how to manipulate it. And the front end guy is going to be doing the design and the layout and all of that stuff. I mean, you could be both, but you know, a lot of companies you're in teams and you're working with a lot of different pieces and parts. Um, I got an interview at a place. It was a big company, and they wanted to get a guy that could handle the the automated phone system. So they had a whole programming language, I think written in VB.net, that was um, just to manage the phone system, you know, the automated response. And it was um, really complex, the way they had it all built out and all of the options you can pick. But, I mean, that's just the thing. You might be working on something cutting edge, but the project that you're working on might be totally boring. And so, you know, I just think you have to be interested in what you're working on. You've got to be really, because you won't do good work if you're not interested in in, um, in the project that you're working on. That's my opinion. Yeah, that, uh, I, I agree with you. That's uh, what I thought when I said uh, that you don't work in IT as a 9-to-5 job. Uh, right. If you work in factory, you work from nine to five. You put two pieces together. You don't care. You don't have to be interested. You're there just to get that paycheck. Right. Uh, you could be doing two screws. You could be gluing two pieces together. Whatever. You don't care. But in programming, it's a bit different. You have to be interested in what you're doing because uh, most of the times you have to find, uh, let's say, a better way of doing things. It's uh, you're not just typing code. You have to know what you're typing, and to right. know what you're typing, you have to be interested in it because yes. uh, it's it's. I would say if you can't code yourself, you're useless as a programmer. If uh, someone has to stand over your head and say that thing is too slow, that part of code is not good, whatever, uh, that's just. It's not going to work, I think. So you have to be interested in improving yourself. Right. And exactly. that's, that, that, that's the thing. Uh, even if you don't want to learn new, new technologies, uh, the, the technologies that you're using on your current project, you have to, let's say, master. You have to, you, you have to understand them. Yes. So the last thing I'll ask you about is, well, in terms of career and, and computers and stuff, is what do you feel about becoming like a supervisor or a manager or a director? Um, is that something that you want to do, or is that something that you fear doing? You know, that's in my company. In my company, I mean, I'm in charge. I, I'm the director, but we're only a company of eight people, so it's sort of silly. Um, but in a larger company, you know, you can have multiple levels of, you know, project manager, team manager, you know, programming manager, director of programming, etc. Um, but th I feel like when you become in that position, you end up, you know, no longer programming, you end up, you know, managing people, managing projects, uh, managing time, but you're, but you're in charge. The danger being company goes out of business or you lose your job, you no longer have the technical expertise to um, be a programmer unless you start studying again. Um, or, you know, you're hoping that somebody's going to pick you up as a manager, which is a much more difficult field because just, they need less of them. Um, what do you want to do? I mean, where do you want to go with your, with your uh, you know, do you want to stay doing what you're doing or do you want, do, 
do you want to be in charge? Do you want to run your own company? You know what, what kind of people are you looking I don't for? think. Uh, well, uh, it's always better to be the boss than to work for someone. Sure. But I, uh, I. It's not that I don't want to be the boss, but uh, it's not something that that is interesting to me. Uh, my goal is to, uh, I'd say, have an interesting job that uh, can provide enough money for me. Okay. Uh, doing uh, if I have to. Well, uh, becoming the boss is the next step. You uh, cannot. Uh, I think that you cannot. Uh, uh, not continue improving, but uh, you cannot keep climbing the ladder, ladder, corporate ladder, or whatever, uh, without, without at some point becoming the boss. Uh, you will, if the project is small enough, you can be both. You can have people under you and still code, but at some point you cannot code and control, I whatever, 20, 30 people, whatever. Uh, if I have the choice, I would prefer. Uh, being the having people under me or at my level that okay. I work in a team and maybe lead, but I still want to code and okay. I I want to be in touch whatever my subordinates are doing. So if they are coding Java at a project, I would like to know what they are coding and know uh, know the project enough. Sure. So I can help them and. Uh, uh, instruct them on or point to the when a problem arises, uh, be able to help them. If yeah. I if I don't know the programming language they're using and I'm not uh, interested in uh, whatever they're doing, uh, right. logic of the project enough, uh, I cannot help them. Uh, yeah. If they run into a problem, I can cut their salaries by 10% and keep them. <laughs> Find someone who can work the problem, uh, solve the problem, but right. So the, yeah, that scares me a little bit. Yes. Yeah. But okay. I, I don't think that I will have to make the choice soon. So well. Yeah, you cross that bridge when you get there. I got yes. it. Yes. I mean, I I have uh, four guys underneath me, and my company is very unique in in the sense that each guy is working on a massive project all by themselves and so it's impossible to uh, keep up with what each guy is working on and we don't have code review or anything it's it's almost like a set of each guy is an independent contractor working on a project and so you know it comes down to answering their questions and spelling you know um, d discussing functionality and how things are going to function in terms of you know business rules and and how they'll operate and then letting them go back to it because we don't really have um, well thought out specs it, it's mostly just like we need a program that allows someone to scan a barcode and on the mobile unit we want them to be able to enter in the quantity and the capacity and the weight and then we need to, you know, store that in a record and transfer that through web services back to the, you know, the operation, and then bring that in and we'll create reports and blah blah blah. So, you know, most of that just comes down to how the, the workflow. How's that going to work for the for the guy running the scanner, and how's it going to, um, you know, be transmitted? And and is the guy that writes the web services in queue with what he's doing? And blah, you know. So 
I, I get it, uh, you know. It, but I find myself doing most of that and not doing a lot of a um, lot of coding anymore. So you know, I have coding projects that I do on the side in order to keep myself um, well versed. But I do find myself slipping, and and uh, I, I worry about it. But at the same time, I like doing what I do so much that um, if you were to say, you know, you have to now learn Java because I don't know Java, I, great, you know, awesome. I'll get you know I'll get the educational materials and I'll sit there and I'll study it and I'll learn it and um, you know it it once you know the basics of coding everything else is mostly the same so it's just a matter of learning the functionality and learning yes, learn, the, uh, learning the semantics of that language exactly and then it's just uh, you know just do it and and you know apply what you've know you've learned over the years so so great so. Um, Let's step back to the war in Serbia because it's kind of an interest of mine. Um, and since you're there, it's really interesting. And I, I kind of want to cross uh, over into the um, to the Russian thing with, with the Ukraine right now. What are your feelings on um, on that? Do you think that Russia is going to eventually continually move west and then possibly um, come into uh, Serbia at all? I mean, I know that. I've watched a lot of video online, and I've seen some Serbians go to Russia, well, the Ukraine, and um, assist with the operations that are there. Although I think those guys are not—they're not obviously officially sanctioned, you know, Serbian uh, no, military. No, no. Uh, uh, the Serbia uh, Serbian government passed the law, uh, I think, a few months ago, saying that anyone uh, going to the foreign battlegrounds. Uh, not approved by our government will be arrested when he comes back. So it's against the law to fight for anyone. Um, it was first for Syria, I think. Uh, um, uh, Southern Serbia has a lot of uh, Muslim Muslims, and sure. uh, uh, they went to fight the Syria war. Uh, okay. And I think it's then that our government passed the law saying that it's forbidden to fight for another country. Uh, is that enforceable? Like, I don't know how your government is in terms of, you know, um, do they care? Or is it just like something that they pass to look good for the international community, and then meanwhile people are probably still doing whatever they want? Uh, I don't think that the international community cares much about Serbian okay. fighters or whatever, but uh, I think they pass the law, any law, uh, it, now it's that thing, whatever, whichever law they pass, uh, they don't enforce it uh, unless they need to. Uh, for example, you pass a uh, traffic law saying that you have to fasten your seat belt or whatever, sure. and, and if you don't, uh, the government will fine you $100 or whatever. Okay. Uh, nobody checks your seat belt until governments need money. Uh. Uh, they say, this month we need to collect that much money, uh, we will put a police officer on every corner, and everyone not wearing their seatbelt will be fined, will be put to jail, whatever. Uh, I think that's how my government works. I'm not okay. sure. But uh, it's the same thing with this law about uh, fighters. Uh, okay. There are people, I, I see on Facebook some of friends of my friends who went to Ukraine, they are taking pictures with sniper rifles or whatever, saying they kill this many, that many. 
I'm pretty sure that's not true, but whatever. They are okay. saying they're there, whatever. Uh, and uh, I'm interested in seeing, since uh, Facebook is public, uh, if you say you're fighting, government can see you're fighting, and uh, you ha they have a picture of you standing in, in the Ukraine with a rifle, so I'll see if, if government will do anything about that. But uh, hmm. as for fighters, our government does not approve of uh, us going there. Do you think, uh, what's your feelings on Putin and, and Russia moving west, though? Do you think that they are, like, he's that, he, he wants to sort of recreate the uh, the Iron Curtain, so to speak? So, with you know, uh, well, uh, we had the same problem here. Uh, we have a government that is saying, uh, that, that is telling the people what people need to hear. Uh -huh. uh, uh, I'm not sure what uh, situation in Russia is today, how rich or poor they are. They are saying they're rich, uh, that, that their gross national product increased 1,000% uh, or whatever. So uh, what we hear here is that the uh, situation in Russia, in Russia, as for people are concerned, is good. So they, they are not that poor anymore. But uh, when people are poor, they want to hear stuff like that. P Putin right. will say, we will kick, kick Obama's ass, we will push Americans uh, from Alaska, whatever, whatever bullshit <laughs> here, but uh, th that's just not going, not going to happen. Uh, Ukraine may uh, fall eventually into Russia's influence, but uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Europe will not allow that. Some regions, the eastern regions of Ukraine, will be uh, something like uh, Kosovo is today. Kosovo is uh, in independent state, as uh, they are declared as an independent right. state, but they are not independent state. They are part of Albania now. I see. Yeah, I mean, Karate Dog lived there for a while. I don't know if you were listening to his podcast. Yes, I listened to his podcast. And, yeah, it sounded uh, pretty I, terrible. Didn't sound like uh, a great place. Uh, it may be terrible uh, by your standards. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, southern parts of Serbia are terrible. Uh, it's Poverty is everywhere. Uh, if you, you don't have money, you don't have jobs. Uh, situation that he described with uh, not getting internet or can't right. get uh, an Xbox, whatever. I mean, his problems are minor. First world problems. Yes. People, it's not that they can't get food, but they cannot get jobs, and it's just not. Well, it's, it's not a place where you wanted to live. You live there if you have to. You don't have what, do you, what do you think about uh, Kosovo in, in terms of being now an independent country, so to speak? I mean, do you think that um, it should be part of Serbia like it was before, or I mean, what is the what's the, what's the sentiment there? Uh, well, uh, uh, historically, watching uh, Kosovo is it's not a part of Serbia. Uh, Serbia. Uh, Kosovo was Serbia. Serbia was never this uh, this far north. Oh, okay. uh, so it uh, it's the cradle of our our country, whatever. Uh, but that doesn't mean any, anymore today. Uh, uh, Kosovo uh, in Kosovo we had we had a problem. There was a problem with the Muslim population. Albanians right. moved from Albania. Uh, Albanian families had uh, seven kids or something, while Serbian families had one or two. 
Sure. So in 30 years, uh, the uh, population uh, ratio was at least one to one, uh, Muslim to or Albanian to Serbian. Sure. So at some point, uh, they if they if they wanted to declare independence, they could. Uh, sure. This Kosovo war and many things just uh, put that a little bit. Uh, I would say, uh, how would I say it? Uh, sped things up. Uh, eventually, Kosovo would be independent. Uh, yeah. Albanians would run it. Uh, as I hear, and I think that's true, Kosovo is uh, the cradle of crime, nar uh, narcotics cartels, and whatever. It's yeah, very place to true. very bad place to be. I don't think that Kosovo being in Serbia would improve that, but uh, K4 or NATO, whatever you call them. What, what, what was the um, uh, what was the I mean, I understand you know, Yugoslavia broke up and Tito, you know, was gone out of power, and you know, you have all of these nations separating and, and things of that nature. But um, what what caused the conflict in, in the sense that it was Muslim versus um, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't just Serbian, but you know, I don't know how else to describe it. You know, Albanians. What, what caused that conflict? Is it just because there was just people living on one side and people living on the other side and they just didn't get along and, and the Albanians were taking power or what What do you think, uh, you know, xenophobia uh, or what, what was it that was... was uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's xenophobia but there was there were always problems between Albanians and uh, Serbians uh, since World War, World War One, I, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, there was always... Uh, Problems fighting. Uh, my friend, my friend's family is from Kosovo, and uh, his grandmother told me about. Uh, I think that was World War Two. Uh, his grandfather was tortured mm -hmm. by uh, Albanians I uh, see. while Germans were coming. Okay. At the beginning of the war, but when the war ended, when partisans Tito Otero won. That then it was time for retribution. So his grandfather returned, let's say, returned the favor to the Albanians. Now the NATO came and uh, or whatever Soviet Union fell apart. Uh, Yugoslavia right. lost its power. So Albanians came uh, were the more powerful one, and they started uh, returning the favor to us. Uh, so uh, it was inevitable. Um, we don't just. Uh, I think people don't like each other. Uh, is it because of the religion? Since uh, they are Muslims, we are Orthodox. Probably, sure. I'm not sure, but uh, we didn't like each other, and uh, that was uh, the, also the problem with Yugoslavia uh, before. Uh, Yugoslavia had Muslims; those were right. the Bosnians. Uh, they had uh, Catholic, that was Slovenians and Croatians, mm -hmm. and Orthodox, which was uh, I. I think Macedonia is Orthodox also, but never mind, Montenegro and Serbia. So uh, when it came time for Yugoslavia to separate, it was very easy to find the dividing lines. You are Muslims, you are Catholic, you are Orthodox, fight for your religion, whatever. And I think that was the, well, yeah. uh, one of the reasons we were fighting. So how, you know, um, We've always seen, you know, we were always told, I should say, that Serbia is very close with Russia, um, that you guys are friends, historically friends, and 
um, you know, you guys like uh, Russia, which, fine, I don't, you know, makes sense to me. Um, but what is the, you know, since we involved ourselves in the um, the war, in, in a sense, in helping to, or at least trying to help push uh, Serbia, out, you know, um, outside, you know, back, make them retreat, that's kind of the what I'm looking to say. What, what's the feeling towards the United States in, in that part of the world? Do you guys not like us? Do you guys, uh, are you indifferent we are, to it? We, we are uh, uh, people who don't, uh, don't want to think too much. Okay. Are fed, are fed the, I, I don't want to say stupid people. I know people, they are not stupid, but no, they just course. don't want to think about that. We are fed I the story. Think. Russians or the East are good. Uh, also, uh, Russians are, or, or are also Orthodox. Uh, I think okay. that's the connection. I Russians see. are good, uh, Americans are bad. Okay, Whatever. sure. It was always like that. Americans always hated us. Americans were. I'm pretty sure America doesn't care about Serbia. War in Yugoslavia was the same thing as the war in. Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever. USA had its interests. They came for the interests. They took it. They left. Whatever the interests were. Right. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so yes, uh, the uh, I would say simple people uh, hate America. They think yeah. the America is evil. They think the American harp system destroy our crops. Whatever. Uh. Okay. Everything, chemtrails, you name it. Any of those <laughs> things, Americans did it. It's well, that's the thing. <laughs> you can't. Sure, no, that's fine. That's that's kind of how I envisioned it as well. I mean, I think that's true. Uh, you know, our foreign policy has been that way to create those sorts of problems. Anyway, um, especially like recently, we're completely disorganized, and there's a lot of trouble in the world. And since the you know the Soviet Union went away, we're the only world power, and it creates you know a lot of uh, distrust and animosity and all that sort of stuff. But I was just curious as the overall feel there. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I would like to also point another thing. Uh, Putin was visiting Serbia uh, a few months ago, I think. It was maybe I don't know whatever. It was pretty recent. Uh, our government uh, made a military parade with with whatever military we had left, which is not much. Uh, they made a parade, uh, the whole Belgrade was uh, flying Russian cars, whatever, every newspaper was saying Putin is coming, Russia is coming. Sure. Uh, also, I would like to point out that Serbia is in deep shit right now. We don't oh. have anything to do, uh, none of our factories are working. Uh, mm. We are going to, we are very close to, uh, I would say, bankrupt or disaster, whatever. Really? Uh, they introduced Putin, or Russia as our saviors. Putin will buy our cars. Putin will. Uh, uh, they are making something called uh, uh, the southern southern stream uh, gas pipeline. Gas pipeline from uh, I don't yes, know. It goes it goes from Russia to Europe, whatever. And uh, that uh, thing should pass through Serbia. Okay. They were saying uh, that I don't know what people are thinking. If the pipeline pipeline might be passing through Serbia, but you're not getting anything out of it. If we get some gas from it, we are paying it as as everyone else is. So whatever. right. Anyways, uh, uh, people thought that Russia will Russia will give us that gas for free. That Putin will buy everything we have, our food, our cars, whatever. Putin right. came, 
he did his job. He was very bored. Uh, we made a military parade for him. He stood there like he was forced to. <laughs> Whatever he made some speech that was, I won't say impersonal, but I'm guessing he makes the, the similar speech everywhere he goes. So yeah. Serbia is nothing special to him or to Russia. So uh, uh, people uh, people are starting, I think, to see that uh, that, that uh, America hating us or Russia loving us is bullshit. Uh, nobody cares about us. We are. You're not in the are, European Union, are you? You're not. No, right? no, no, no. Uh, we are not. Uh, all countries around us, except Albania, I think, are, but we are not. Are, do you do you think you guys? I mean, it, that, that's one of those things, you know. You guys like Russia. Do you, do you not want to be in the European Union, or is that something that you think would improve your economy? Uh, it, it will not improve our economy. Croatia uh, went into European Union's two Union two years ago, or one. I, I'm sure. And they, uh, it's the same, if not worse, than it was. Uh, European Union cannot help you. Uh, it, it can help you sell your products. Uh, if you are making, for example, cars, you can sure. sell those. You can sell those cars in the European Union without tax, which makes your product more uh, compatible. Okay. But if you are like Serbia and Croatia, not making anything, uh, you have nothing to sell. Tax breaks doesn't mean don't mean anything to you. So sure. uh, that's something that people here and people in Croatia just don't realize. Uh, joining the European Union is a political token. Uh, when mm -hmm. politicians want to take your votes, they say we will take you to the European Union. Everyone says, yeah, I will get free money. No, you won't. You, and that, that, that's the thing. Uh, we do want to go into the European Union because uh, everyone is telling us that we will get a lot of money if we go to the European Union. But then again, I think people are realizing that that's just not true. Uh, okay. you, you will not get money, it will be the same. Because Bulgaria also went to the European Union, they are, uh, I think, the poorest country in the European Union. Romania went to the European Union, they also didn't do anything with it. So. So what do you think your prospects are there? Do you plan on leaving, or do you think that things will eventually improve? I mean, how do you... I mean, you're living there. Um, what, what, what do you... Do you want to leave? Uh, at this moment, no. Uh, my job is uh, providing well for me. Uh, okay. Even if I wanted the family, I could. Uh, I could sure. uh, start it. I would have enough money. They would be also a private whatever. And uh, I think in the next five or ten years, uh, for me, things will be good. Uh, not for me, but for people working in IT. Well, to okay. Exactly. But uh, uh, I mean, do you situation? think that there's going to be any sort of instability in your country? I mean, do you do you oh, worry oh, that because things are going to go bankrupt? Oh, and, oh yes, uh, we will know. have. I think in next few years we will have uh, political problems, uh, instabilities, because uh, our government, our current government, uh, is. Um, uh, I don't know if you're uh, if you followed. Uh, you know, uh, Slobodan Milosevic. He, yes, was our, yes. he was during the both Kosovo and the uh, Croatian war, he was our president. Right. In 2000, uh, we uh, made him go away. Uh, we 
destroyed his government. Uh, people went to the streets. Uh, it was funded by US, I think, whatever. Uh, we made our new government democratic, whatever, and we thought that was the best thing ever. Uh, then th that same democratic government was actually worse than Milosevic. They stole, they sold everything, they destroyed. So uh, now I think that uh, people just don't care about politics anymore. So in that sense, uh, things will get worse because uh, po today's politicians uh, really don't have to watch what they're saying or watch what they're doing. They can do anything. Uh, our prime minister uh, is saying that uh, our country is uh, rich, that we are improving, that uh, money is flowing everywhere, whatever, which is obviously not true. So in that sense, uh, th that's what I'm afraid of, that uh, politicians will have no, I say, boundaries, whatever, they will start stealing everything, and at that point I will probably try to leave. Yeah. Which I think you don't think that uh, Serbia would have a referendum to join Russia. Nah, no. the, I, well, uh, we could make that referendum. Uh, that would, uh, I think, probably pass. I think about fifty percent people are for the European Union, fifty are for Russia. But that's something that I don't think is politically uh, possible. European okay. European or U.S. won't okay. allow that. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, how things go. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of um, question marks on what's going to happen. Um, I, I personally think that um, Putin's working on, you know, trying to take over the areas around the Black Sea. I mean, obviously, they're not going to go into Romania or Bulgaria, at least. Maybe they could go into Bulgaria, but since they're part of the EU, I don't know. Maybe not. No, but. Putin's, uh, I'd say... Uh, conquering or whatever political conquering will stop with Ukraine. Uh, he will not, I think, uh, even that, that Crimea will stay like it is. Uh, I know is it part of Russia or not, whatever. Right. As, it, as it is now, it will stay. Maybe it will be same as Kosovo declared that it's an independent country, but it is part of the Russia. Uh, Russia is controlling it uh, with military, whatever. Uh, right. But I don't think they will take Ukraine. Germans or Germans, whatever, European, whatever, will will not allow that to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess you know it's it's a weird it's weird it's a weird world right now. But I'm I'm with you on that. So, I mean, all right, we're kind of out of time. I normally I cut these things off after an hour, but this has been a really interesting conversation. Did you have anything else you wanted to say or touch on? Uh, well, I did want to ask you, and I asked you the part of that question. Uh, you considering your future as uh, uh, you are what twenty years of experience in ITO? Yeah, fifteen. Sure. Let's say twenty years. Uh, what do you think that your future is? Uh, you don't have a college degree. You are, uh, let's say, in your last twenty years of career. So you're you're not definitely younger, whatever. Uh, what do you think that your chances are in the IT field? Uh, if your company went under tomorrow, whatever. It's a good. It's a good question. I mean, part of the problem is I live in Cleveland, and uh, you know, it's in Ohio, and um, there's not. I mean, there's a lot of IT. I mean, there's a, there's jobs. The the unemployment for IT here is less than half a percent. 
So you can get a job, no problem. My phone rings every day um, with one or more recruiters looking to see if I'm interested in, in getting hired at another place and wanting to talk to me, and I just ignore these calls. When I modified my resume recently, I had 20 different recruiters contact me in the first day. I'm not worried about getting another job. The question is, is what kind of job is it going to be? Am I going to enjoy going to work every day? You know, is it far from home? You know, that sort of thing. I think, you know, I have not been coding very much recently, and that worries me, and I, I need to get back into it. But it's very difficult where I'm at because I don't want to learn something new now and stay in my current position not using that technology, and my company just doesn't go out of business for another four or five years because four or five years, that technology that I learned is not going to be of any value to me, most likely. So I, you know, I sit around and I wonder what it is that I should be learning, and I try to keep up to date on stuff by um, watching um, some videos online as well as reading the materials about new things and just getting a broad overview of what they are and making sure that I understand them. But I'm not really cutting my teeth on too much code, which I think is unfortunate, but... Um, you know, at the same time, I'm just not in that position right now. And as I get older, it becomes harder to stay abreast of these new technologies. And I wonder more if people are going to want to hire me when I'm 50 or 55 or something um, because they want to get younger people to, to do the job. And, you know, IT is a weird position because a lot of older guys aren't really in it. Uh, you know, they end up going off to do other things because it's very difficult to stay current. And um, most of the people that you see are more um, younger, middle-aged, and they get into it, and then eventually they move on to, to other things. And especially, you know, in terms of being programmers. Uh, programmers, to me, you don't see a lot of... They're, not to say there aren't any, but you don't see nearly as many older programmers as you do younger programmers. And it's not just because older programmers are dying off. Um, it's just uh, it's hard to keep current with technologies, yes. and that's probably the reason they you become a boss. You don't want to learn new code. You will right. take ten people that can code, and you will try right. guiding them. Yes, that's. But I know. but I really enjoy it, and I think that like you know I ra I wish I would work you know on some project that had um, uh, ambition, so that the project might make you know, a lot of money or become very widespread. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to work on something that's uh, in use and large and uh, because I've been working at a company now that's like we have no budget and we're very small and, you know, they, they fired all of us um, uh, about uh, six months ago and basically said they sold the company, we're all fired and... Um, you know, you got basically two weeks left. But then what happened was is that the buyers backed out of the deal, and so they asked us all to stay. And so that's when I was going around doing job interviews. And, you know, the thing is is that, um, you know, I could have left, but I have some perks at my job. Like I only work uh, technically a seven-hour day, but I get paid for eight. And um, I can come and go when I want to. And th those are some pretty big perks for me personally. Um, I know that if I go work at another company, I'm going to work at least a nine-hour day, and I'm not going to be able to come and go whenever I want to. So 
um, you know, so I stayed where I'm at, but I also know that the company is going to go out of business, um, most likely, and or if the company does somehow does well, uh, they'll sell it. So either way, I'm just heading towards, you know, before I'm 50 for sure, uh, going back into the job market. And so I don't know at that point um, what I'm going to do. Like I, I'm probably just going to pick up another job and just work at another job, but uh, it would be nice to work at a job that um, has some passion for the projects that they're doing and isn't just what I'm doing now, which is sort of just towing the line, keeping, you know, staying afloat and trying to make do with the little that I, you know, that the company has. It's, it's, uh, and that's, you know, the same as the place that I worked before, you know, it was a small business and I worked there for six years and it was much bigger than where I'm at now. I mean, most companies are, but it was also, you know, um, it had highs and lows in terms of, uh, what they could expend on uh, resources. So I've never really worked at a big company that was, you know, really making money and would able to, you know, afford to send you to training or take you to conferences, um, assign enough people so that you can specialize on uh, a discipline. That would be really cool for me um, because I would really like to do that. Uh, not that I wouldn't want to be a director of software. I'm really good with people as well and be able to, you know, manage people. Because um, I have a likable personality, man. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where those jobs are few and far between. So I'd be happy to go back to coding. I, I don't have a need, a, a big need for financial security. I, I don't care so much about making tons of money or anything because um, I'm already doing what I enjoy to do. You know, I'm I'm middle aged. I'm I'm where I'm at. So it would mostly just be about. Um, finding a job that I enjoy, I guess. But Cleveland's weird. I should have, you know, my friends Eric and Chet went west, and they went to Valve Software, and, you know, they're working on Chet's like the the face of the new um, uh, 3D, whatever you want to call it, the headset that uh, Valve has just come out with. He's the guy behind that, and uh, Eric is the guy that writes all the dialogue and things for games like Portal. Um, they're they're both kind of responsible for you know everything that you find in the orange box. Not not that they're the only guys there. I mean, obviously Valve is a big company; tons of people are working there. But um, they're 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 key players in that whole thing. And it would have been nice to have gone uh, west with them and um, gotten involved more of that kind of industry that's very passionate about what they're doing. But um, nope, I'm in Cleveland, so. Uh, the biggest people we have here is like Highland and Progressive, which is like an insurance company. Um, you know, there, there's if you if you got sick, this is the place you'd want to be because we have like our number one employer is a hospital. Uh, we have like the biggest hospitals probably in the world here. Um, it's like all medical. So I mean, if you wanted to do software, you'd probably be involved in medical or insurance or something like that. So it's not as glamorous as games. It would be nice to work on something like that, but. You know, it's got to pay enough, and I don't know. I, I, you know, I have a house here and everything, so I mean, I'm not against picking up and moving west or something if something came at that point that I was really passionate about. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, it. It. I guess you'd have to see where it goes and all that sort of stuff. I'm not a family man. I don't have kids. I don't plan on getting married, and so it's kind of like this is where I've sort of dedicated my my life to. They asked. Jason Newstead of Metallica once. They said, you know, the other guys are married and stuff. Do you want to get married? 
and stuff. And he said, no, he goes, I'm married to my base. He's like, I chose this to do for the rest of my life. I don't know if that's true of him today, but that's what he said back then. And that's kind of how I feel about computers, you know. I mean, it's not like I don't have, you know, I don't date and have girlfriends and all that sort of stuff, but I'm never going to see myself sort of choosing um, uh, family over um, computers and things. I feel like this is what I've been meant to do, and I've been very successful with it, and I want to continue to do it. Um, but where that takes me in terms of career, it just depends on what's available, you know. I, I think it's true of anybody. You can only work where they're going to hire you. So um, you never know, yeah, that's though. that's true, but, but you know... Um... Do you think that uh, your whatever knowledge experience uh, makes you more flexible with your job than some other positions? I know. Uh, I know. I don't know what's uh, the situation like in U.S. Do other branches, do other careers have as much potential of yeah. finding a job as as yours is? United States, when it comes to career, I mean, you can eventually find a job doing anything that you would want to do if you're um, if you're willing to uh, wait for that job to become available. You know, there's the problem I think in the United States is we have a lot of people that have gone through college that have degrees that are specialized in something like zoology or something, and there's only so many zoologists that are going to be able to hire you. I have a friend whose girlfriend, um, she became, she, she got a degree, I think she has like a master's degree, you know, to be like a museum curator. And, uh, you know, how many museums how, how are going to be around that? that are going to hire you to be a curator? So she can't find a job like that, and she's, but she has a job. You know, she's working at, um, you know, a big company, but, you know, it's, you know, it's low pay, and it's just something that she's doing until she can find something that her skill set um, gets her into, and I and I so I think there's lots of jobs. I just don't think that the people that are graduating have sort of tuned their degrees towards um, the kind of jobs that they want to get. You know, Jedi went and got a communications degree. Is he doing communications right now? Not really. You know, I think he's like some sort of office manager. Uh, Larry um, is about to graduate with a communications degree as well. He's like a loan adjuster for mortgages. So, you know, it you can get a job. Is it the job that you want? No. You know, but uh, so I've been very lucky in that my interests are also interests that are in high demand. But I, you know, I think that um, it's also a very unglamorous career. It's, it's not something I would recommend um, necessarily to people to get into because, um, you know, it's, there's there's no uh, there's not a lot of creativity to it. I think. I mean, yeah, you can make programs more creative, but there's no you can't leave your job right now and go talk to somebody about what you did all day because they're gonna have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you can't talk to your family about how you created a fantastic algorithm that um, you know is making this application work better unless your family's a bunch of programmers, which in most cases they're not. So you end up being very isolated in what you're able to communicate to people with, as well as you don't socially integrate with a lot of different people other than programmers or managers. So, you know, when I was a cook, you could talk to anybody about cooking. You could talk to anyone 
um, about food, and you know you would interact with customers, you would interact with waitresses, you know you would also um, talk to other kitchen staff about um, all sorts of things. And as a programmer, you're very much isolated. You know, you're you're in a cubicle, um, you're on the internet, but you're you're your accomplishments go unseen, and I think that. Um, uh, but uh, for example, you are still a cook. Uh, the guys on the show always talk about you going right. into the kitchen and making a cake in two minutes or whatever. Uh, you you still can't talk about cooking uh, while taking your fat paycheck or whatever to sure. the bank and providing yourself with ingredients for that same thing or cooking whatever. If you studied for a cook and you can't find a job and uh, also you say uh, you have you can wait for any job. Uh, I don't think that's well it's not true in Serbia you don't have time to wait. You, you have to do something. Uh, you cannot just sit. Uh, I know if US provides some Social help, whatever. In Serbia, you get nothing if you if you don't have a job. Basically, you have nothing to eat, unless yeah. your family provides for you. But that's another story. It, it's pretty similar here. I mean, you don't, you know, if you're unemployed, you get a little bit of money, but not very much. Like, if I became unemployed, the money that they would send me would not be enough to pay the mortgage on my house, let alone up provide me with food and gasoline and everything else that you need to to get around here. So, um, you know, it's nice that they give you something, but uh, it's not enough to survive, really. So, you know, you would have to um, you would have to find another job right away and or tap into your own savings or ask people for help financially. Um, you know, that's how people end up in, you know, we had a mortgage crisis here and people end up, you know, losing their homes and having to... Um, you know, go to an apartment and, you know, they spend 30 or 40 years of their life getting all these things and then they get wiped out because they can no longer afford them. And so, you know, we have those problems here. Everything's just more expensive, you know, and so, you know, you don't have a lot of options um, other than hopefully finding some other job. And I think, I think in the United States that's the biggest problem is that, People want to do a certain career, but they can't get into that career, so they've fallen upon something that um, doesn't pay as much, doesn't, they're not reaching their dreams, so to speak, the American dream. They're just working at a job in order to make ends meet and provide for their children or whatever. Um, it's depressing, I think, for, for Americans in, in that sense because they were sold on the idea that if they go to college, if they study what they want, if they do these things, that when they left with this degree, that they would get hired into the position that they were studying for. And in reality, you know, those jobs aren't available. The jobs that are available are computer jobs, which nobody really wants. And I think the reason nobody wants them is simply because it's not a... Um, it's another job, basically. It's another. It's yeah, it, but it's not a. It's not a fun job, it, you know, unless you really enjoy it in in a nerdy kind of way. You have to enjoy the, you know, you and I sitting here talking about computers is fun for us. It's very interesting to us. Um, most people, it's not that interesting, you know. And and I, it's kind of. It's probably like knowing mathematics and and just sitting around with other people that know mathematics 
and being able to talk about it, but you can't talk about it with anybody else. And um, you know, they don't have us on TV. There, there's no magazine articles written about us. It's just a very, uh, I don't want to say lonely profession, but it's a very isolated profession. And I think that, you know, there are other professions out there that if somebody was starting off, um, you know, that they should probably um, look into, I think, more than being a computer programmer. But at the same time, like where you are, or like where I am, if you want to make money, this is the profession to get into. I mean, if you want to uh, get out of school, get a great job, um, making some bucks so you can buy a house and um, have a car and do all that sort of stuff, being a programmer is the job that you want to get. But just know that, you know, it's, in a way it is, you keep mentioning a factory job, in a way it kind of is like a factory job. You're building something for somebody else um, to their specifications, and nobody's going to, um, you know, interview you on television, unless, you know, you're into video games, unless you're writing video that, That's the only sort and of... And even uh, then, if you're a low-level programmer, un right. unless you're a leader programmer, they will not interview exactly. you, I guess. But, yeah, I think, you know, I'll get a job someplace else, and I'll continue to do this, and hopefully I'll work with people that are my peers, I'd like to work more like with people like you than I would like the people that I currently work with. Not that they're bad guys or anything. It's just that they're all sort of um, not as interested in technology as uh, the people that I would prefer to work with. I would rather be cutting edge and working on stuff with people that really enjoy this field than people that are just doing it for a job because, um, you know, it's a different field. It's it just... You, you know, you, you come into work and you want to work with people that are very excited about what they're doing and not people that are just, like, just waiting to go home because um, they're really not into it. And we have a lot of that here. You know, eventually, you know, um, we'll make it easier for people to come over here again and, and work um, from overseas. Right now it's really difficult um, to get a job in the United States. But the, the, the technology drought that we have for people that are interested in this field makes it so that the wages are very high here, you know. They were, I think VMware was hiring people at 130000 to start entry level um, at one point. It's, the demand is really, really high. That's not, I don't get paid that much. Um, um, but, because I'm a Cleveland. Can you um, put in perspective what 130000 a year is? That's a year, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, what does that mean? What can you do with that money? Can you buy a house? Can you buy a car? What? So your average person in the United States um, probably makes um, like not like the other guys on the show. Um, Larry, Brian, and Don are not good examples. They're they're more lower middle class. In some cases. Um, when Anderson's not working, he might even be considered um, lower class or poor. Um, you know, they live in apartments. I mean, Brian is a truck driver, but he only works like a four-day week. He, he's sort of lazy, I guess. I, I don't want to say my brother's lazy, because he works hard, but because of his shift, he doesn't work the normal amount of hours that I would say like an overnight trucker or somebody would work to bring home the bacon. Um, but it works for him, so he's happy, and, and he does okay. Uh, you know, he can buy whatever he wants and do whatever he wants, um, but they're not living in, like, a big house or anything. You know, they have a condo, and 
historically his girlfriend has been a big breadwinner in order for him to maintain the lifestyle that he's living. Um, I think if he was on his own, he'd struggle a lot more with the money that he makes, especially having daughters and everything. But 130000 you know, your average guy, middle class, would be making, say, around 50000 And that would be a guy that can own a car, can own a house, um, you know, pay for entertainment and, you know, all the other stuff. Um, it would be, uh, you know, a lot of Americans, though, they spend a lot of money on credit. You know, they have school loans and they have credit card debt and they have mortgages and they have car payments. So they're constantly in debt and most of their money goes to make payments on uh, all of these other things so that they end up having no money to really spend on anything else. So yes, they have a house and yes, they have a car, um, but they don't have any money to spend to do anything, you know. Um, so they end up working all the time rather than going on vacations or, or whatever because they want to keep trying to get out of debt. But then when they do sort of make any headway, they put themselves in debt again by getting loans and things in order to make like a like a project or something, like build on to their house or um, buy another car or pay for their kids to go to college. So um, it, it's a weird thing because we have a lot of stuff, but we don't have any money to spend on anything else. And so well, that's, that's where... That's the, the way economy works today. You do everything with basically borrowed money. You right. take your credit card, you buy whatever, and at the end of the month, you get your paycheck and you cover your debts. Right. Something so if you made 130000 you know, what would happen? You Here in the United States, you would buy a bigger house. You would buy a nicer car. You would uh, have What's things. a bigger house? How big is it? Well, you... so my house is what they would... You, I have a big house. My house, well, I mean, big in, in the sense of, you know... Um, number of rooms or whatever. How it's 2,450 square feet, but my basement um, is, uh, it has rooms and carpeting and all this sort of stuff. So if you include the basement, it's 4,000 square feet. So um, for one person, it's, it's rather large. It has um, uh, five bedrooms, um, two living rooms, two kitchens, uh, a rec room. You know, I have a two-car garage. Uh, you know, I've got a big deck in the back that I did with a pool and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and this house cost at the time one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. So, um, if you make you, could, you could cover that house with a year and a half salary. Yeah, if you didn't buy anything else, I mean, if you didn't feed yourself. Well, of course not. Uh, but uh, yes, you could. You could easily on a like if I made that much money. Um, yes, this house would be no problem in terms of uh, um, making payments on it. But I'm not, I'm not having any problems making payments from what I get paid, and I don't get paid anywhere near 130,000. So um, somebody that had 130,000 would probably buy a house that's much larger than this, you know, or have much larger property, um, and that's common. I mean, that's common. There's that's all over the place. Cleveland has a lower, you know. Um, barrier to entry. This house that I'm in here, if you were to live out west, you know, you would pay 500000 or more for my, the same house and the same property value because, um, you know, they can get that, you know, out 
in California or whatever versus in Cleveland. So it just you know that depends on where but you live. Your your job would be uh, proportionally yes. better paid if you were in California. Absolutely, that's that's absolutely true. So, so you would uh, a programmer. Uh, I'm just trying to get the sense of uh, programmers earning. That was my uh, goal. So you're a would say uh, experienced programmer, and your uh, pay would allow you to buy buy a. 2,400 square feet house in two years. Yeah, two, I mean, years. basically, like when I, because I can, I, you know, I won't tell you how much I make, but when I went to job interviews in Cleveland, um, the the average salary that they were looking to pay was on the low end was 65,000, and on the high end was about 85,000. So that's in Cleveland, and that's a really good wage, especially if you're on the high end of 85000 That's a really good wage for Cleveland. Um, because if you think about it in the terms of a couple living together, if both the man and the woman had 85000 you know, you're talking 170000 a year, and, you know, at that kind of money, you know, you're able to make all your ends meet, in my mind. But somebody else is, you know, they're going to buy a much bigger house and have really expensive cars and pay for their kids to go to college, and so they'll be broke, you know, or they'll have college loans to pay off, and, you know, they take 12% of your salary or whatever it is every month and, you know, all of these other things, and, and so they'll be broke. But they'll have, you know, the $400,000 or $500,000 house and the the really nice cars in the driveway and all that sort of stuff, it's just a trade-off. So, you know, I think if you're really good with money, if because a lot of um, foreign people, like Indian people and things come over here and Chinese people come over here and they don't get themselves in debt, you know, they just work and, you know, they have the IT experience, etc., they they work and they're able to buy things because they don't they don't use credit cards and they don't... Um, they say that they don't take out loans on houses and things like that. They just wait until they can buy it. So they end up having a, a much um, uh, easier time, I think, financially, um, because they they don't fall into the American trap of buying everything on credit. So, yeah. um, but here, yeah, you can do you can do really well um, financially, you know, with experience. Um, somebody like yourself, based on what you've told me in this conversation, would do really well here in terms of. Um, you would easily find a job, and you would make really good money, and um, you would also have a lot of options in terms of, um, with your experience, being able to work one job, move to another job, or work contract jobs. There's lots and lots of contract jobs that'll hire you for six months or a year, pay you a set salary, and have you go to work. But Again, it depends on where you want to live. If you're in Mississippi versus California, there's going to be big differences in terms of what somebody's willing to pay you uh, for your experience. But also, but the, the, the cost of living are proportional, so you most of the time, yes, I would say that's true. Yeah, you would definitely have no problem in general being a programmer in the United States, even at a at a very entry level type of position to to maintain a. Um, a, a very nice quality of life. Um, when you have over 20 years experience like I do, you get paid a little bit more, um, so you know things become a lot easier financially. So you never really worry about money, 
But you do have to worry about, since it's the United States, losing your job constantly because businesses get absorbed quickly, they get sold, or they go out of business. It's very competitive. And so, you know, you, my I've been very lucky to have a position that's lasted, you know, over 10 years at this current company. Um, generally, that's not true. I mean, yeah, you can work at Google or you can work at Apple, um, but the requirements to get into those places is much much more difficult. You know, they, they only hire the, the best of the best. And in a way, that's good because that means that all the other companies are more willing to make exceptions in, in who they hire, and, you know, they, they're willing to pay a lot more because these large companies keep sucking up everybody else that's uh, on the, you know, top tier or who they consider to be top tier. So, um, yeah, you know, any programmer could do really well here, but you know, at the same time, because the economy uh, isn't so good for other businesses here, um, you know, we end up making a very difficult uh, visa restriction in order to get into the country. I think right now, with the H-1B visas, they, we only allow 50,000 people in a year, and we have a much bigger need than that. And maybe eventually they'll increase that, but it's bad politics in order to do that because... It, it, people get very angry when they say, well, you know, you're giving all the jobs to the foreigners and here we are starving at home, you know, and it just comes down to one of those things, well, if you pick up a book and learn how to program in C-sharp, uh, you could have one of these jobs that pay really well, um, but there's too much pushback. So the people don't want to learn it, but at the same time they don't want to study. So these jobs end up going unfilled or filled with people that are less than interested in, in keeping up. But I, I think that's good in a way. I, it forces businesses to invest in uh, training and, rather than just firing people and hiring people with the technology they need. You know, it would be better if businesses did a lot more training of people so that they can provide jobs, um, steady employment. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, I want to make a comparison to see how good the programmer in U.S. is doing. Uh, because in Serbia, uh, with my experience, uh, I can people with my experience can uh, get about um, that's something like twelve, maybe thirteen thousand dollars a year. And with that money, uh, you can maybe buy an apartment, uh, pay it off in 30 years, and that's uh, one or one and a half bedroom apartment, maybe 400 feet square or something. Sure. So, so even uh, at the same experience level, uh, even with the lower costs of living, which may or may not be true, I'm not sure, but uh, at the end, uh, the programmer in Serbia, even with the same experience, is uh, far worse than... Yes. Well, yeah. uh, you cannot, you can buy a car, that much you can afford, but uh, buying a real estate uh, house, you can forget, the, but buying an apartment is something that may be real. But, yeah, well, it's, no wonder everyone wants to go to the U.S. or the <laughs> European Union. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the... I think that some parts of our society would be shocking, you know, in terms of what you would pay for certain things, 
being much higher. Of course, you get paid more, but uh, you know our taxes and everything would be, I think, a bit of a shock. Uh, you know, uh, because of when you said hundred thirty dollars, you did or did not include taxes in that? Oh, I did not. I mean, taxes oh. would probably take, you know, um, at that at that amount, you would lose about. Um, twenty-eight percent to the government in taxes, um, and then you know we have state tax as well, which is going to take. It depends on which state you're in, but that could take another five percent, and then um, you're probably talking like anything you buy has a sales tax, which is usually around seven or eight percent uh, as well, um, and then you have to pay property taxes if you buy property. Everything's taxed, you know. So a lot of your money, I think they said something like forty-six percent of your money goes to taxes, which is probably about right. So um, yeah, it can impact you. But the less you make, the less taxes, the 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 lower your your tier. So you know, you make a lot of money, you pay a much bigger percentage in taxes. You make less money, you might pay like ten percent or something in taxes, eleven percent. So, um, and now you have to be, you know, if you're independent, you have to pay for health insurance. Um, health insurance is expensive. Um, you know, you'll spend, you know, um, you could easily spend thousands of dollars on health insurance for your family, but your job will usually pick it up, you know, and is a benefit, that kind of thing. So. You know, I, you would do much better here. You would do much better. I mean, the lowest-paying programming position that you know, if they hired you as entry level, almost, um, you know, you're going to get well over thirty thousand dollars. I mean, you're going to probably get you know forty thousand dollars as an entry level uh, programmer. That's going to be more than enough for you to own a car, or have a big apartment, possibly buy a house in a. You know, you could definitely buy a house. Is it going to be a house that you're going to want? I don't know, you know, it's going to be a smaller house, um, but, you know, you're going to have uh, a lot of expenses just because of the taxes and the, the the way of life that we have here, but I definitely think you would do better than there. I mean, at the end of the day, um, a lot of things cost the same there as they cost here, you know, like a PlayStation is going to cost the same all over the world, you know, physical uh, I, items. I think we don't get your discount, so... Well, no. PlayStation here is about seven hundred bucks. I think. Yeah, no, you're. I, I didn't mean to. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're going to pay more for for certain things, but I, I guess. But I'm for food and those things that are required for living. Uh, right. Once you buy a piece of furniture, you know that you have the furniture forever, and you know it, it's going to be the same. It's just the ongoing fees that are probably a little bit different. Um. I don't know. Move to the United States, man. You know. Yeah. I don't think it's that easy. Uh, <laughs> I do have that Croatian uh, passport, so it might be easier for me than it is for my colleagues. But I don't know. Uh, I have, have you heard of? Um, have you ever thought about doing freelance programming for um, websites like uh, Elance? Uh, um, I I do I do. Freelance stuff, but it's uh, that pearl thing I was talking about. Start yeah, but you're doing that for free for friends or whatever you're doing. Uh, 
Some of it, it's paid. My friends are doing it for those freelance sites. I help them because I don't need the money. I live alone. Sure. My my pay cover, so I help them. I get the experience. They get the money. It's fair enough for me. Uh, uh, because you could know. go on something like Elance and end up doing like a um, uh, projects for American companies or um, individuals. And sometimes those projects can be long term, and they're going to pay you really well. So you know, it depends. It's a bidding process, um, but it's also based on your skills and and things of that nature. Um, but you know, um, I think that uh, getting the money from US could be a problem. Uh, pay, PayPal doesn't work in Serbia. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, so Bitcoin, uh, man. Got to get the Bitcoin going. No, I don't. I never, never understood that Bitcoin thing. I know it's <laughs> currency, but I'm not sure that it's stable. Even the US dollar is not 100% stable, but you can rely on the US dollar. Well, you no, I know. I'm kidding. The, yes, the, I know. The, um, but, I mean, in a business environment, I don't think they're going to pay you with PayPal. I think they mm -hmm. mail you a check or... Uh, if they mail me a check, my government will get the part of that, and <laughs> I don't want my government to get the part of that. They are well, already taking more than enough from me. Well, then maybe you have a uh, rechargeable Visa card or something. I don't know. I mean, obviously... There are ways. Uh, people in Serbia do that. Uh, my... I would say friend is doing. Uh, he's not a friend. He's older, whatever. Uh, but he's uh, doing jobs for U.S. companies, and they are paying him over his PayPal account that is opened in another country. I don't know. I'm not completely sure, but it sounds complicated and not something that I would be. <laughs> Since uh, the, the money is not a problem for me, uh, I yeah. have my apartment, so I don't have to buy one. I haven't. I bought the car. It's an older car, but it works uh, well enough for me. Uh, so I, uh, uh, when I do extra work, I rarely do it for the money. I do it for, right. the, for the pleasure and maybe learning. So uh, doing projects is not interesting to me. But I am thinking of leaving my country at some point if the situation becomes unbearable. Sure. I, I don't know. Um, well, no, I know, but you you never know. Your job could go out of business, and then it's a it's an opportunity uh, to work from home. And we are, my company is working for the government. Yes. Government, so, yeah. Uh, as, so as long as Serbia lives, we live. Yeah. When Serbia starts stops living, we have to leave Serbia. Well, other people that are out there that are listening might look. Yes, at yes, yes, I, yes, yes, yes. I, people that with your skill level are um, in high demand in a lot of things. I mean, I often. Uh, work with and do freelance work for friends and things like that and they need um, special uh, expertise and s consultants here in the United States are very expensive so for instance I had a friend who was they run a website and they run a store that lists all of the items that they sell and they need um, assistance to change fix some problems change the way it imports data right through a sort of a d-base system but you know it has an OLEDB and uh, you know they need scripts written etc so to hire somebody in the United States to do something like that will run 
somewhere between $125 an hour to, you know, $250 an hour. So uh, that's to get somebody to sit down and write a script in order to do this. So that's financially very difficult for a company that's a small company to pay someone that kind of money to do something, um, especially because then they're held hostage by that company uh, in the event that they want to change anything or do anything in the future. So, you know, they have to look at the dollars and cents of it. Uh, somebody like yourself could do the same thing for, you know, less than $50 an hour or maybe, say, $25 an hour, um, and then all of a sudden you have 40 hours of work a week and and that's all you're doing or whatever, and you're making more money than you would make at your, your regular job. Um, so I think for that it can be very appealing to people in order to do it. It's a, it's a matter of pricing yourself into that market because it's a very, um, it's very difficult in the United States to find this expertise at a price point that works for everybody. So the lower price point's much, much nicer. So I don't know, something to think about. If you ever get in a rut, if you ever need a lot of money, you get a white. Uh, what was the site again? Can you, can you name the site where you get those offers? Well, you, oh, the, the the site that I used was called Elance, E-L-A-N-C-E. -E. Um, they have a really nice setup there in order to um, uh, work on projects. Basically, projects get uh, created, and then you bid on a project um, based on what you think you can do it for. And then you know they decide who they want to work with. Obviously, people that have you know done stuff uh, have a better reputation score, so they'll go with probably those people first. But you know, if your dollars make better sense than the other guy's dollars, and you know, you eventually build up a, a references of your own, and then you can charge more based on your references. Um, but a lot of it comes down to um, expertise and knowing how to do stuff because. You know, trying to find somebody that can manage a task like I just described is going to be um, a lot more difficult. And then, for instance, I had people, I've hired people at one time to work on some .NET Nuke um, websites. And I had one guy work on it, which is a framework that works with, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it works with like C Sharp and SQL Server uh, for the web. And I had one guy that I hired out for, you know, from uh, the United States, and he, I had to have him change a, I had a graphic, basically, of a, how I wanted the screen to look, and I needed somebody to turn that into, like, a skin for the .NET Nuke framework, and he was unable to do it properly, so after the first milestone, I let him go, and then I hired a team from India who was able to do it quicker and was able to do it correctly. And so, you know, then I end up in a relationship with that team, that person, basically, and for all future work that I needed, I went straight to them. So, so you, don't, you don't have a problem with Indian workforce. Uh, I don't mean you, uh, in yeah, a racial can. sense, but uh, uh, I never, uh, many of my friends, colleagues, whatever, had experience with Indian workforce, uh, and I never heard a single good thing about uh, Indian programmers. Well, not that really there true. aren't any, but those that you get for cheap are cheap for the reason. Uh, 
Well, exactly, and that's why there's a review system on there, so you read the reviews of the people that are there. I think it's possible that the gentleman that I was talking to was actually Iranian. Um, my knowledge of that is kind of limited. It's obviously illegal in my country to do business with someone in Iran. Uh, we have embargoes and things against people in Iran, um, so he probably pretended to be Indian. And meanwhile, he was Iranian. Only, the only reason I think that is because his name uh, sounded Iranian, you know? Uh, it's possible he was Iranian living in India. I don't know. Um, but we also, there are companies in the United States, also in South America and things like that, that, are, um, that do this kind of programming, and they actually are the people that hire and manage out the, the Indian programmers. So... Their project managers and things might be, say, Costa Rican or Argentinian, and then they are actually um, hiring out the cheaper Indian people to to do the work, so they manage the project. That goes on a lot too. You know, they call that outsourcing here. Um, but again, if you can find, you know, as a buyer that I've been, if you can find someone to do the work um, and they do a really good job, you create a rapport with that person and you end up using that person all the time and you know the work you know that person becomes you recommend that person to other people and and that person in that company ends up becoming much bigger and much larger and you know uh, getting a lot more work etc so long as they continue to you know maintain that relationship and you know there's a there's a big need for that it's just uh, you know it's very difficult for a smaller company to get uh, customized uh, coding that they need in a professional way that's done correctly and so they're not being ripped off. A lot of people will charge you and charge you and charge you and um, not ever reach the, the finished product that you're waiting for because they're just kind of you know creating problems and finding problems and things and so you need somebody like me that can look at something and say that's bullshit and a lot of companies don't know if something's bullshit or not. It all just comes down to reputation and, and um, you know, being friends and, and understanding what the company needs and giving them a good price, and creating a good product and, you know, the, the normal stuff that a good business should be versus all, what a lot of businesses are these days, which is, you know, on the internet are a bunch of scams. And if you're not a scam and you're doing the right thing, I think it can be very profitable. Yes, well, uh... Just one thing that interests me: How do you, how do job providers on Elance know that your bids, uh, when you bid for a job, that you will complete the task well? You well, answer so that question. They, they since don't. Since but what they have is they have a system set up so that, um, you know, it, it, it's very step by step. Yes, yeah. it, it's step by step. So they're not going to say to you, um, "Write me an application. Write me the next Skype." Right. Um, they're going. the The guy that creates the project has, um, you know, he has to come up with a spec and create the requirements. And then there's milestones along the way. So he creates these milestones. And before you ever accept the project, you look at all of this stuff and you can modify it as well as a suggestion. You could say this is the milestone and and this piece should be here, etc. So that then when the project is started you're going to code, say, the first milestone. So you might create the login screen for the, for the, the Skype 2 that you're creating. 
and that might be a milestone. And if you're bad at it, or you take too long, or whatever, the, the guy can cancel the project at any time, as well as when you reach that milestone, they might say, okay, going to go with somebody else, you know, thanks for your work, etc., but this is as far as we're going to go because it didn't work out. I mean, it's a mutual relationship, but um, you have the ability as the, as the person who sold the project to um, sort of cancel it at any point, where at the same time you're able to bill them based on how it's discussed. Some people will charge for an entire project. They might say, like, I'll give you $10,000, you know, when this, you know, and not to exceed number when we get to this point, another company might say, I'm just going to pay you, say, $45 an hour, um, and hopefully it doesn't take more than 200 hours. So, you know, it just depends on the way it's structured. Yeah, so that's, that's, that makes sense. I yeah. Know. It, Not something that I will do, but uh, I have friends who uh, need an extra sure. buck or whatever, and... Well, yeah, you would be surprised if you can work out the payment system like you were saying, you, you know, you can find the work. But again, probably when they're first starting off, you know, the thing is, is that because they don't have a reputation yet, they're probably going you to have start to with something smaller, small and cheaper, maybe cheap. not get as much money as they would like, but do something so that they can get a reputation. And then they can start increasing how much they get paid. Um, because their reputation goes up, etc. You know, same old yes. thing. Anyway, that's two hours. That's the longest Oblast we've ever done, so I'm going to wrap it up. i got to meet somebody to give them a couple of ladders that I have in my garage. So, I'm sorry if I kept this slow. No, it's you. been a really it? interesting conversation. It's really great to talk yeah. to you. Um, okay, all right. Well, uh, good luck. You know, and keep listening to VGN and Oblast, and uh, maybe we'll have you on in a few years and see where things are going, you know, with your career and everything, and if things have changed, because... Maybe you know, if I move to Cleveland, I can do it live <laughs> or something. There, there you go. You can come to Cinema Wasteland with the rest of the VGN crew. Uh, and, uh, I don't drink, so I don't think... <laughs> oh, well, don't come to Cleveland, then. Uh, oh! Not, not a place for people that don't drink, but... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Totally okay, I will improve my skills in drinking then. <laughs> All right. Well, good to talk to you. Everybody else, check out videogamenews.com. It takes you to the Facebook page. There's also an Oblast page, but I don't have a link to that off the top of my head. Just do a search on Facebook for Kevin's Oblast Radio, and you'll find it. Um, Alexa, thanks a lot. And, uh, Thank you. And we'll talk to everybody else later. Good night. Good night, everybody.